0: Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files.
1: Command codes verified.
2: Welcome back to GGR Pirate Radio.
1: You heard the man, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to GGR Pirate Radio. We have got a wonderful and fabulous... Jury rigged Together with Duct Tape and Extra Headphones episode for you tonight. <laughs> Joining me via the magical means of Skype. Yes, we brought Skype back for a long time. Skype was on our shit list, but no, Skype is back because it's fully functioning tonight. Unlike other programs, hint, <laughs> nudge, 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 you piece of shit Zencaster. <laughs> my name is Mike Lunsford. This is my show, but it's not just my show. I say it's my show because I helped create it. But the guy who helped create this with me, the one who was like, Mike, seriously, You never shut up anyways. Why don't we put you on the microphone and do a podcast? His name is Steve Monick.
2: This whole thing has just been for legal purposes to get everything Mike
1: says on recording. (laughs) You son of a bitch. Um, Also joining us on Skype, because Zencaster, again, is a son of a bitch. He was with us before, but now we can actually hear him, and he doesn't keep dropping off. That's MC Brooks.
3: Hello, hello, again.
1: And joining us in the... I'm assuming either a vehicle or still at the comic book shop is the lovely and talented Mr. James Rambo
0: currently parked in the parking lot of a McDonald's off Gallows road in Fairfax, Virginia. Hey everybody.
1: That's wonderful. That's that's so wonderful. And that's so GGR. You'd have no idea. It's also specifically so that when this is over, I can grab something to eat. (laughs) And that's also a GGR move. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to park here, and then as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to swallow my shame. Work Um, smart, not hard. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Guys, um, actually, I just realized I got the headphones up to the microphone. Were you able to hear the Star Trek intro?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. So I made all of that speech for nothing. You could hear it. You sure did. Hooray. <laughs> you look real dumb. I don't even care about professionalism anymore. Like, obviously. Like this episode is ah, fuck it. Like, it's just this is gonna be fun. It's it's my it's my my friends, my like three guys that I would want to have these conversations with every day if I could. If we could sit in a Denny's or, you know, to translate in Pittsburghese in Eaton Park, um, we would be having these conversations until like two o'clock in the morning as we uh fill ourselves on the endless salad bar and muffins and uh, smiley face cookies that Eaton Park can provide for all of us.
2: They have late night, like happy hour, kind of like specials too. So like late night appetizers. I mean, we could have a real good time.
1: This sounds, oh, bitch. <laughs> this sounds wonderful. Like I don't see how anybody would have a problem with this. This, this would be great. Um, so guys, we're here to talk about a little show um, that just finished its second season. On Netflix, and the reason why we're talking about it is, is because after October nineteenth, we ain't gonna be talking about anything except for Daredevil season three because that Hell fucking yeah. that fucking trailer, oh like, yeah, like I, I'm I'm so excited. Like the consensus for all of us is just like this is this might be the greatest trailer that's ever trailered in all of trailer history. Like <laughs> I don't see how this series could be bad at this point. It's it,
0: just it, damn oh. pretty and. Oh, God, D'Onofrio's back is Kingpin, and not Bullseye is being not Bullseye, but being Daredevil, but not Bullseye.
3: I'm just, <laughs> oh, fuck. <I'm> so excited. <laughs> and my favorite thing is he's getting the suit.
1: Finally. He's getting the right suit, basically? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you mean
2: Kingpin? Like, the big white?
1: <laughs> yeah so sexy. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. But the reason why we're um, all just geeked up about Daredevil Season 3, and Steve will be talking about this on uh, next week's episode of The Geek Sheets, and we'll talk about it on uh, the next episode too. Um, But there's another Marvel show that came out in between um, Luke Cage, which we've talked about, and what we're going to see here in just about two weeks with uh, the next season of Daredevil, which is Season 3. And that was Season 2 of a little show called Iron Fist, which I'm going to play. Um, And I called it... I incorrectly called it the theme song. It's not the theme song. The song is called I'm a Dragon. It's by a, a passion, Sway. And they used it for the trailer that they did. And honestly, I talked about trailers before. And, like, I'm a sucker for a good trailer. Like, a good trailer does a lot for me. And maybe it shouldn't. Because the trailer... For Iron Fist was was pretty good, but the music was just so dope that I was like, I'm going to love this show no matter what. And I pretty much did, even though it really wasn't that good. <laughs> um, the, I'm going to actually skip to the part of this song. Like, this song by itself, pretty good, right? But there's a part that is just like the dopest thing. Because just imagine, like, like uh, as I call him in my article review of season two of uh, Iron Fist, uh, Trustafarian, Napoleon Dynamite, Danny uh, Danny Rand, <laughs> Imagine Trustafari and Danny Rand kicking ass to this song when it hits this part right here. I'm just saying. Doing some dope, like, Jeet Kune Do moves and shit, like, flipping over people. Char- so I don't
0: know if the rest of you guys could tell. I couldn't hear that at all. And the no. fact that we couldn't... <laughs>
1: Oh, you guys can't hear Is it? We no.
0: Hear the intro and Mike was so confident
1: we wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to hear it in the podcast version. Oh, <laughs> Just like what everyone it? else. Yeah, exactly. You guys are supposed to play this up. We talked about this. Just That's pretend phenomenal. like you can hear it. Here, I'm going to turn it up. Maybe you can hear this.
0: Yeah. A little bit.
1: Okay, there we go. Yeah. So now I'll turn it back down to like a reasonable level where it's not doesn't sound like I'm DJing in a club somewhere. <laughs> hey, DJ Mike, coming at you. Here's our next song.
2: I don't know why you got all like gruff and creepy there.
1: Because I'm a DJ. Hey, DJ night. Mike. I'm Venom. <laughs> we we are Venom. We are Venom. Okay, get it right, damn it. Um, anyways, enough of this nonsense and chicanery. Um, season two of Iron Fist. Our good buddy, Philip Jean-Pierre, uh, is a goddamn liar. <laughs> because <laughs> Phil, buddy. Never again. Phil, buddy, I love you. I really do, man. Um, but no, like, he he was like, I don't know, because I just read his review of Venom as well. And, like, I feel like if I could read every review that Phil has ever done, all of them are probably going to be like, this movie was shitty, but I liked it sort of. Um I don't think Phil likes anything and like that. That makes me sad for Phil because there's a lot of shitty media out there that if you would just be like, yeah, this wasn't bad. Like he'd probably enjoy himself a little bit more. I will,
0: I mean, I don't, I won't disagree with that concept. I don't think it's that, that Phil doesn't like things so much as his, his standard for appreciation might be a little higher. Um, if that's not necessarily a good or bad thing.
1: Oh no, I um, agree. Yeah.
0: You know, the, the, what is it? Uh, uh, Stand up comedian Pete Holmes um, likes to talk about how his whole joke about people who are tough laughers, and they 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 take that like it's like a point of pride, They're like oh it takes a lot to make me laugh, and he's like why don't, don't you want to enjoy things like shouldn't it be like the slightest little thing makes you happy isn't that a lot better right yeah
1: yeah that's that's the way I feel like I'm it's safer enjoying yeah exactly like uh, for the most part that that's the way I feel about things but like. Um, there's nothing wrong with having a discerning palate. Um, if you want to translate that. it into food, it's like saying the people who like all types of um, pizza, like even Little Caesars, which is garbage. That like, there's a problem with. I it. love Little Caesars. I do too. That's the problem. Like <laughs> the way the way I consume media is the way I consume pizza. I like all of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with with Iron Fist specifically. The first season I know that everybody didn't like it. And like i I even reference this in my article where um I specifically say like I, I get that there were a lot of problems with the with, with the first season and a lot of people had a problem with it. But season two and, and Rambo I'll kind of let you take the run with this and then uh Marcus, you too and Steve, you watched a little sure. bit of it. Um but season two really addresses a lot of the problems that people had with it right up front and The first thing that I wanted to go into is—and you can go on uh, GGR. It's on uh, greatgeekrefuge.com. It's under the uh, movie and TV section uh, under what to watch. Um, And I say, Danny Rand, the immortal Iron Fist, is the little brother of the Netflix Marvel Universe. He's kind of annoying, he's a bit obnoxious, and he's trying to prove himself. Of all the defenders that have had their own series, Iron Fist took the most flack by far. It had the lowest scored reviews, uh, the most backlash, and the highest amount of criticism for its first season. Viewers were tired of the white savior slash chosen one trope, the uninspired fight choreography and overall annoying portrayal of Danny Rand by Finn Jones. I think that they really handled this in season two. All of those things that I just mentioned. Oh yeah.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yep. And it, it really starts in the second season of Luke Cage. Um yep. Because the episode where Danny pops up, this isn't just like, Oh, we got a, we got a different actor and they're like, they're doing a different interpretation. It's still Finn Jones. Um, but there's even stuff like his beard It looks better. His haircut looks better. He looks like a grown-up. Um, he's carrying himself like an adult. Like, there's there's something about his posture in the second season where he looks taller and bigger. Um, and I honestly, I, I can't tell if that's a matter of the way he's being shot or way he, the way he's actually physically carrying himself. Um but it, it reminds me of the uh, the scene in uh, uh, in Superman the movie where um, Clark comes in the front door of Lois's apartment and then he's about to ex- like you know <laughs> he's about to expose himself to her uh, he's about <laughs> to expose himself as Superman to her and he stands to his full height and you're like holy shit he was hunching that entire time that's what it looked like and felt like for me in the second season it's like oh okay. It's kind of a bummer we're not gonna pay off the, you know, like Danny's a man child because he never really got to uh 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 develop emotionally that was set up in in uh, concept that was set up in the first season. But you know what? If that's the price for a better, tighter, well better better choreographed very better, better choreographed, more interesting second season, I'll take it. Um, and and that's a big part of what we got and it's dope.
3: Yeah, I agree. I agree, one hundred ten percent. For me, uh, you know, it, it didn't even just start in Luke Cage. For me, it his transformation kind of started for me in Defenders, and I think yeah. I think largely what it was too was Finn Jones, or or just uh, Danny on his own in season one was just a really annoying character. But when you placed him alongside uh, Luke and Jessica and and uh, Matt Murdock. Uh, when you play some um, alongside them, his character kind of made a bit more sense. Like that annoying little brother kind of came out and it made more sense when you juxtapose his behavior to the the more like stoic and serious of the other three. So, for and and, and honestly, if we're being serious, uh, Defenders was more of an Iron Fist season than really one that focused on all of them because he ended up, uh, it, it took more of a focus on him, particularly towards the end, and especially with what Matt asked him to do at at the very end of it. Um, but everything you said, James, I totally agree with. It's just as far like, there's just a different aura about him in this season that I think was definitely magnified on Luke Cage. And the great thing about the episode of Luke Cage is that you could tell Marvel heard all of the criticisms and and try to showcase and even poke fun at the fact at the fact that hey we heard everything you guys said about iron fist and we're going to do as much as we can to shift the character and make him m- m- better on screen yeah as, as much as possible
4: yeah. and yeah, i
3: mean cool. it, it it manifested itself in, in just the 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 fight choreography like the the fights this season were just infinitely better than anything they had in in season one. Like uh, my reference point for season one was that like the old fight scenes from season one of Power Rangers look more believable than any fight scene we got in season one of Iron Fist. And you can tell with with season two that um, they brought a new showrunner in who is like apparently like a a huge fan fan of iron fist and grew up reading uh reading iron fist uh in the comics and i think that kind of manifested with how they shot the season and and then the story that they the storylines that they use for this season and just making danny just an overall more relatable character and not just like the rich whiny white guy from season one
1: Yeah, Yeah. I would totally agree. I mean, Steve, what have you kind of gotten from, because I know you're only like four or five episodes Mm -hmm. in, what have you gotten so far from season two of uh, Iron Fist?
2: Yeah, so for reference for everyone, I'm at the point where Davos just got his glowing fist. Um, So I'm going to look at it more of a top-down approach of like what makes any of these series good. And for me, obviously, you have to nail the main character as far as their source material and that kind of stuff um in this series specifically the fight choreography because it's all about him being a martial artist but i think the biggest thing that has an impact that gets overlooked is the secondary characters and how they interact with the main characters so like daredevil is so good because him and foggy's relationship and him and kingpin are so good against each other um you know luke cage is good because of Really, I mean, frankly, the women that are around him and stuff. You know what I mean? And his relationship with his community. Jessica Jones is good because she doesn't want to have a relationship, really, with anyone in her life. She pushes people away. And so the various people that come into her life and how they kind of inject themselves. And the only person that, that she's interested in is... Um, what's her face? Hellcat. What, what's her freaking name?
3: Oh, Trish. Pat,
2: oh, yeah. Trish yeah, Patty oh, oh, yeah, Pat Trish. Walker. Oh, yeah. Um, so with this season of Iron Fist you know, really developing ward and joy, like, and just really giving them deeper character motivation. Davos is really, really good as a villain so far. And all that being said, though, from just the first four episodes, holy crap is Alice Eve amazing in this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So good at playing. I mean, she's essentially playing two different characters at the same time. And I mean, even just her body language, When she's, you know, one... And and I don't know how much we're giving away when we're talking about the show, you know, on this one. But, like, you know, her body language is different. The tone in her voice is different. I mean, she just seems like a different person. Um, It's some of the best acting I've seen on any of these Netflix series.
3: I agree. And, And I always thought that that was a curious casting because I've seen her in other things. And none of the other things that she's been in whereas anything where she played like a villain role or an antagonist kind of role so i thought the casting was really interesting just from that perspective because we hadn't seen that from her but she absolutely knocks it out of the park and i know you're only a few episodes in but especially when you get towards the 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 last couple episodes she takes it to an even higher level than what you've seen so far like i can't
2: wait like and like you said like Vince D'Onofrio, like you know what you're getting when you cast him as Kingpin, and I think he exceeded even those expectations. Um, out of all of the Netflix series that have been out, he's probably my favorite actor and like character, like uh, of, of portraying his character more than anyone any of the heroes, any of the mate. Like, I mean, he is so freaking good as Kingpin, but I think Alice Eve, from level of expectation to actual performance i think that might be the biggest gap of any of them because it, i was just floored with how good she is
1: i yeah i can see that i mean good go yeah um and, and then you, and you can jump back in rainbow i was i'm with you for the most part on kingpin with the exception of um and maybe it's just recency bias bias because it was the most recent marvel series i finished but f- fucking purple man dude like, yeah. <laughs> like he, he was, that was the creepiest, most endearing, charming, like, I kind of want to hang out with this dude and have a drink, but also he, I, he fucking frightens me, villain I've ever seen. Like, Kingpin was scary because he would fuck you up because he's giant and scary and, and, and mean and, and, yeah, but like purple man was like a, a level of like, he gets in your psyche and gets in your brain and then tries to convince you that all the stuff that you just did was your idea. And then you're just like, well, shit, like, and then you feel bad <laughs> for him kind of. Cause you're like, well, he kind of got tortured as a child. And then you're like, wait, no, it turns out he's just an asshole. Like it's, there was a level of it that was really like subversive on a way, but really just overall, just really well done. And like, That's that's another. We talked about this in the prior episode. So if you're listening to this now, oh hey, by the way, go check out the other podcast that we do because we have a part one. Um, (laughs) We talked about how why is Marvel's cinema universe kicking ass, and everybody else is trying to play catch up because Marvel gets their villains right, and that's the big that's the big issue that DC is lacking in, and I can point to proof. Um, his name is goddamn Lex Luthor in Batman vs Superman. What the fuck oh, was that?
2: Yeah, you're right because they totally fixed it when they brought in Steppenwolf for Justice League. You're right. That's a yeah. Right? That was a much better choice.
1: And like, and that's the problem too. Is if you're gonna have Justice League and that's who you're gonna use, I don't even know who Steppenwolf is other than you ain't seen nothing yet. So I'm like. <laughs> Oh wait, no, that's not. No, they're um they're magic carpet ride, aren't they? I'm trying. No, see, this is this is how well I know this villain is. I can't even get what '70s band they they are referencing there. <laughs> I think
2: that might be Bachman Turner Overdrive. But yeah, you were
1: Bachman Turner Overdrive is, is is ain't seen nothing yet. Steppenwolf's big thing is what is their big song? Yep, Born to Be Wild, Magic Carpet Ride. So there you go. But still, like that's who you're going to use. Why not Dark Side? He's the biggest bad. In all of the DC universe, right? Why not use I don't know Lex Luthor again and put him in that crazy robot suit that he's always in? Like, why not have um, the Legion of Doom? Why not use fucking anybody other than some asshole we've never heard
4: of?
3: And if you remember, didn't they tease? Uh, didn't they tease that at the end of Bad, uh, Batman versus Superman? Like, wasn't that the post-credit scene of him meeting uh, Deathstroke on a boat or something?
2: Well that was the in yeah. the Justice League game. Oh, Batman beat okay. Superman, though they were like Batman goes and sees Lex Luthor in the jail cell, and then he's like, He's coming. Uh and then you're like, Oh, so they're talking about dark side. <laughs> Either that or he's just had some very, very interesting experiences in prison. But like, I mean <laughs> I I feel like, you know, that was supposed to be a dark side setup, right? And then it's Apparently like it just kidding, Steppenwolf. And I know like I'm not as well versed in DC, but I believe Steppenwolf is related to Apocalypse and Dark Side. Correct?
0: Yeah, he's like a lieutenant. Um, so I think I think the biggest problem that DC's had um, is they're they're kind of jumping from foot to foot. They're not really committing to anything. Um, and so when you have things like this introduction of Steppenwolf, like I think he could first of all. Uh, Siren Hines is a fantastic actor. There's no reason in the world why he shouldn't have had more scenes to flesh that character out. Um, so you have a really, really talented guy come in and then you put him in front of like uh, put him behind like this really mediocre CG. Not terrible, but really not that good either. Um, so then all you're really looking at you're like, oh, he looks like a video game villain. Okay, well we'll have this really talented uh, uh, English actor Um say these lines and then he does and he sounds kind of cool um and he's just there to be punched we're just gonna have him show up and be punched um and it's a bummer because it definitely seemed like they were building toward dark side which makes sense um you know you don't want to bust out like your biggest heaviest villain um in the
1: first story but then don't make your fucking first movie be Justice League. Well, you know? <laughs> let's let's talk about other. Th- this has happened before, and actually, we'll we'll point to Marvel because Marvel fucked this up too. Is you take a great actor and then you put him in makeup and CGI, and then they're unrecognizable, and they don't really get to flex their chops. And that would be Christopher Christopher Eccleston oh. as yeah as what is it Malkeith in Malekith. yeah, yeah. Malkeith in Thor two. Um, but I do want to give a quick shout out because we talked shit about him earlier. Um, Phil is actually listening so <laughs> uh, thank you for listening Phil um, but he said excuse me no love for Bushmaster in season two of Luke Cage um I thought he was a really good villain but here's the problem is he can't trump um Mariah Stokes agree oh, yeah.
0: Mar- 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 Lee is oh God well yeah he was so
1: fucking good yeah but just just, just alone in season <laughs> two like Bushmaster is not gonna be able to top Mariah and really honestly, when you really pull it out, if you look at what happened with Comanche and Um Shades, like that was that was some bold shit that they did with some villains and with Luke Cage. Yeah. Like to have two of your your lead villains in that season essentially come out and be like, Yeah, oh hey, by the way, we were lovers. Like you don't see that in comic right. books. Like I mean you do, but like that's not a common thing. And then to do that on the big screen and like not even make a big deal about it. They didn't go like they didn't go stereotypical route where all of a sudden you know Comanche and Shades have a, an apartment together and they're talking about going to see a theater show. Like I mean, they it was just a thing. It was just something that happened, and it wasn't like right. it was not stereotypical. And like a, like kudos to them for doing it like that because that very easily could have been very very cheesy if done incorrectly.
0: I was so impressed with that reveal. That whole and like as it's happened, I was like, I'm like I'm sitting there watching by myself, like no. <laughs> No, there's no way they're gonna do this. Yeah, are they? Son of a bitch, they did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was you know really impressive, ri- and incredibly well handled. I cannot remember the guy's name, the guy played but my understanding is he's a um,
3: uh, Thomas he, Jones. He's a former uh, running back in the NFL.
0: Yeah. He was a fucking football player. Like his background isn't in, in uh in, in acting or theater or anything. No. He was a football player. And the funny thing he is, he wanted to be an and, actor. And, and I, I yeah, meant...
3: and this is his first and and uh Gideon Luke Cage was his first major role.
1: Oh man, talk about fucking killing it. He he's from Virginia and I've met him yes. before because no he's shit. like he's, he's like this for like this epic like Virginia football player. He played for UVA. He played for the Chicago Bears. He played for a bunch of NFL teams. And, like, he was, like, a really, really good running back. And I met him at one point and, like, shook his hand. And I was like, hey, this is when I was in the Army. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm from Virginia, too. He's like, oh, no way. Where are you from? And, like, we talked and, like, stuff like that. So, like, I've always had a vested interest in him. I didn't even recognize him. And I've met this dude face to face. That's how much of a transformation he made from football player to actor. Like, it was damn impressive
0: him and the whole time yeah like there were there were all these little sort of like teases of um of there being a little more to him than what you saw yeah and then you get that reveal and you get and, and it further contextualizes like why he can't stand mariah why he doesn't like uh uh like having her around and and it's it's one it's just outright jealousy um but two it's romantic jealousy um yeah. And it's it's getting to see like someone he really genuinely loves be like treated like shit and dis and disregarded and, and you know and abused and, and it was just so impressive, man. Like I was so thoroughly pleased and shocked by by the degree yep. to which they explored that relationship and it was done like as like a, a like a C plot, man. It was yeah. fucking awesome.
1: I think that the point that we have talked about other Marvel shows more than we've actually talked about Iron Fist season two is the reason why Iron Fist is not as high up on the list for everybody is yep. it's almost impossible to compete with these other shows. And it's, it's a good thing ultimately because all of them trying to step their game up makes all of the shows better. Yep. But like overall Iron Fist was way, way better. It's just not as good as Luke Cage. It's just not as good as Jessica Jones. It's just not as good as, as uh, daredevil. And yeah, I mean
3: yeah go ahead. I mean it was, well and what it is essentially is Iron Fist is playing catch up because all of those other shows had great first seasons or at least uh in in public opinion they had great first seasons. Iron Fist is trying to play cleanup while also trying to build on top of uh whatever they did in season 1. So I think for that reason like it, it's it, it's much easier for the other shows to to continue building and to kind of expand and, and, and grow people's interest in it. Whereas, you know, with iron face, we're, 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 you know, basically putting band-aids over bullet holes and trying to, (laughs) and, and, and trying to make something good out of what, what's been like a not so great season one and a much improved season two. but, compared to its contemporaries it's like it's still trying to catch up to the greatness that we've seen in all of these other shows both with its characters uh with the heroes and the villains and just in the story arcs that we've seen in the other shows as well
1: yeah for sure and and like i think what what is interesting about it is marcus you brought this up um on an episode prior that iron fist season two has the greatest rebound of score from season one to season two ever.
3: Uh, yeah. On Rotten Tomatoes. I, was, yeah. I can't remember the number offhand, but yeah, it, it broke, it broke the tomato meter for uh, the gap between the two, as far as what season one was rated and the ratings for season two.
1: Yeah. God damn. Yeah. It was it definitely like it went, it's going in the right direction. I don't think that it's, it's quite there, but I will say this. It, it hit on some things that like, it hit on a level that, like, it affected me and, and uh, for Iron Fist Season 2. It it upset, like, the childhood version of myself. and And I'll explain what I mean by that. So the childhood version is the one that, like, whenever something bad happens to the superhero, like, the little kid is like, no, 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 that can't happen. No, you can't take that away from the superhero. No, you can't have the bad guys win when Davos... Like takes the Iron Fist from Danny. I was like, I was fucked up. I was like, no, this is wrong. Wait, they're both gonna have the Iron <laughs> Fist, right? Like he still has his yellow. F- no, he. Do- oh, this isn't cool. Like that really messed me up, man. And they had he had to have like reconstructive surgery on his leg. I was like, what? That like they really, really, like took your hero. This is his show. He's the Iron Fist, and they were like, nope, and they just broke him in every possible way that they could. And like, it was almost like somebody who, whoever the showrunner is. And I, and I know who the showrunner is. Cause I was talking about it in the article. Um, the guy's name is M Raven Metzner. Uh, he did yeah. heroes reborn, sleepy hollow falling skies season four. It's like M Raven Metzner fucking hates iron fist. And he was just like, <laughs> like, dude, you piss me off so much. You make me so mad. Your show is so shitty and I'm just going to ruin your life. Um, Either that or he really, really, really likes him a lot. And, like, is putting him through all of these trials and tribulations to make him stronger. Because, um, and, and Steve, I'm not going to ruin, I know, you're, I know you're not a big spoiler person, so, like.
2: Yeah, say say whatever you need okay. to say. I'm not that worried about it. Okay.
1: Um, what they end up doing with him, the fact that we get to see Colleen as the Iron Fist, that yeah. that's, that's a bold damn move. Like. Yep.
3: And you know what I think that is, too? I think that's also playing on the strength of the supporting characters in Iron Fist because people really loved Colleen even though, even if they did not really care for Danny or any of the other characters. So I think, that is, I think that also plays a role, too. And to be honest, I think that played a role all throughout uh, season two because you got to see Colleen take a bigger role in the show, even though she's technically a supporting character. Uh, you got to see Misty Knight come come over from luke cage and get involved and was a pretty integral part of the story uh once she uh once she comes in for the rest of the show too and so you kind of see uh one you get to see their relationship kind of continue to grow between colleen and misty and you get to see it like it, it kind of it, it gets it gets its own screen time and it get i think Marvel with with this season was trying to play on that because Colleen is an interesting character who deserves screen time and people didn't really care for Danny or who they cast as Danny that much. So it was kind of smart for them to you know play with who the people really do want to see.
1: Yeah. I think that another thing that really is worth pointing out with Iron Fist season two is that they realized that people had an issue with Finn Jones as the Iron Fist um as danny rand and like you said we, we saw improvement in the defenders we saw improvement when he was in his limited episode of uh luke cage but like they really leaned on everybody else in season two like much more time with ward much more time with um why can't i remember her name right now um joy thank you sure Yeah, much more time with Joy, much more time with Davos, which um, Phil makes a really good point. He says Davos was a better Iron Fist. He actually had two fists as opposed to Danny's one. Um, So (laughs) I think think that that was a good point. And, like, honestly, too, this is why I thought season two was much better, because there were certain aspects of the story that sucked me into it. Because I'm watching Davos do his thing where he's just like, no, you need to destroy evil. And he's just he's fucking everybody up. And I was like, maybe he should have been the Iron Fist. And then there's that scene with the Chinese restaurant owner oh. Oh. and he kills that dude. And I'm like, nah, nah, Davos, you done fucked up, man. Like it was, it was like you went too far. you letting the power go to your head you were right not to have it. And then like when him and Danny are fighting and Danny basically is like, the reason that your dad didn't do anything about this is because he knew you shouldn't have the iron fist. And like, I just yeah. wish, I wish you would have called him like a name, like you bitch or something like that. Like just to give it some <laughs> emphasis, but like, yeah, you,
2: you little doo-doo head.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cause that's what he would have said. Yeah.
2: Cause he's squeaky Big clean.
1: Stupid jerk, jerk, stupid <laughs> bitch.
3: I hate you. Poop mouth. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I really think that, like, if somebody could do a mashup where we had some Napoleon Dynamite um, dialogue over top of Danny just, like, looking confused all the time like he does, that that would be gold. Like, some, somebody needs to get to work <laughs> on this. Internet, make this happen. Um, o- overall, though, like, it's I, – I really enjoy watching Iron Fist. I, 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 And I know I know that it's not as good as the other ones, but there's something about this story that I really enjoy. And, like – they managed to give the, the fist to Colleen and I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. And then all of a sudden she's got a goddamn Katana lightsaber. And I was like, that's pretty badass. Apparently you can make it go with weapons. And then Danny shows up in, I don't even know where the hell they were when it was him. And, uh, why can I, God, I'm losing names tonight. I'm sorry. Ward, Thank Ward. you. Him and Ward, <laughs> him and Ward are often whatever, uh, Asian country, like at a bar and they're just having their like adventures and shit and they mention uh, Orson Rand, and I'm like, "Oh, or Orson Randall um I was like, "Wait, we have another iron fist mention here. this is gonna be interesting." and then Danny pulls out those pistols. I was like this is this is gonna be interesting and then apparently he can wield those with the f- power of the iron fist so he still does have the fist, so it's th- there's I'm I'm sure they're going to explain this, but after seeing that, I was all in. I was like, I'm I'm, I'm in for season three. I'm I'm totally going to watch this. I'm not giving up on the show.
0: So there's um in in Batman vs Superman, there's that scene where shows up in a portal, and he's talking to Bruce Wayne. He's like, you know, I, I honestly I can't even remember what the dialogue is, but he realizes like, oh no, I I came back. I went back too far. Like this isn't. This isn't the right place. You don't know what's going on yet. And I remember talking to my friend Aaron about it, and she's like, "What the fuck was that scene? Like, I don't. Wh- what's going on? Who was that?" I was like, "Oh, oh, it's the Flash. The Flash ran back in time, and he and he's and he's talking to Batman about stuff. And it was a thing where I. I it didn't occur to me at the time that no one was gonna understand what the fuck was going on, <laughs> except the people." That are big comic nerds like me. It was like, oh, that's awesome that they did that. Um, And uh, uh, when you get that reference uh, of Orson, uh, when when Orson Randall comes up at the end of that season, um, like in retrospect, I think it looked kind of goofy that Danny pulls those two guns out. Yeah. But I loved every second of it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it was cheesy as hell. But like David Ajah, run yeah.
0: of of Immortal Iron Fist, so I knew exactly what they were talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was totally it was totally cheesy. It was totally cheesy because like he fires one bullet and Danny's like pew pew and it shoots the other bullets and I was like really come yes. on like <laughs> yes but it was still awesome. I don't even care. But I mean and like
0: the you know, the first issue of it opens with the, the pirate queen with uh, uh, the, the they, they make the connection in the show that Colleen is the descendant of this woman uh, who was an iron fist. Um, and it's, it's again, it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's the, the, the live action media paying off a setup from the comic. Um, and in such a way that it's like, Oh man, they didn't have to do that. But in doing so, They've made things richer. They've they've made things you know more interconnected, uh, and it works really well.
1: What what was the season missing? And and I'll, we'll go kind of roundtable, Steve. I know it's going to be kind of hard for you because you're still only uh, like halfway into it at this point. But Marcus, we'll start with you, um, MC Brooks. What was missing from Iron Fist season two?
3: Was missing. Uh, m- I actually have to really think about this because I actually, I actually, I really enjoyed season 2 Let's see. Yeah. Can you go to someone else? I'm going to, I'm going to think yeah, about it. That's this fine. Right, man. Yeah. yeah. He, will trying, pa- uh, he will
1: pass his answer to James Rambo. Um,
0: there's, there's one thing. I mean, there's one thing that like the nerd in me really wanted, which was I wanted them to find a way to make the costume work. And the truth of the matter is that mask is never going to work. Uh, in much the same way that Wolverine's mask, in reality, it looks fucking dumb. Yeah. Um, Iron Ma- Iron Fist mask, the half mask, just does not work. And I was really pleased with the sort of workaround that they came up with, where Danny has the um, the sort of like ninja face mask that he like or scarf that he uses to cover up the bottom half of his yeah. face, so that you get sort of like an implied inverted like, yeah. So we we took like the half towel. And instead of putting it on him, we took it off of him. So because everything else is covered up, it's like a, it's, it's like a photo negative thing. Um, I thought that was pretty cool, but I wish they had been able to really make that that costume work. Um, but in terms, but in terms of like a practical story, really pissed me off and really disappointed me about that first season is there are all these great little concepts that are introduced and vaguely developed. And then never, fit, never really paid off. Yeah. And one of them was, you know, Danny as man-child. Danny as, you know, and that's not meant as a pejorative, but like literally as a man who is still a, emotionally a child, um, because he didn't get the time to to or 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 the benefit of someone helping him to develop and, and deal with his emotions properly. You know, one of my favorite scenes in the first season is when. Colleen's like, oh yeah, you you taught Kung Fu, you know, you you learn Kung Fu. I'm sure you could teach them too. And he's like, Yeah, sure, I could teach them. And he starts acting like a teacher from Kunlun, and he starts acting like a total dick. And he's being really mean and you know, it's funny in the moment, but it's also really sad and, and kind of scary because this is the degree. 12 to 15 years. So when you set up this idea that, you know, Oh, Danny's so uh, whiny. And and like you guys keep saying, like the, the little brother idea. Um, it's not like an accident. It's not a coincidence that he's the, 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 the least emotionally developed. It's literally because he hasn't been able to, you know, Matt Murdoch for all the tragedy he's dealt with. Move past things in his life, um, just to a certain degree, uh, uh, using his abilities and and uh, and becoming Daredevil to help um, deal with those things. But Danny has just been sort of set up on this this like you know uh, like mystic quest to become this great hero, and there's no real attention paid to like well, what's that going to do you emotionally? And that's something that we do get paid off, uh, funny enough, with Davos where. You know, we see, we, we sort of get that um, that emotional journey paid off with him instead of with Danny. Um, of course, but that was just more a negative of like, or rather more of a showcase of this is what you get from being that person your entire life and then finally getting it paid off. Um, and it's really scary and really fucked up. And this is a guy who doesn't have, you know, uh, a good mental or, or emotional health. So yeah, like there was anything that that I was disappointed in is is we didn't get you know some of that stuff paid off, but getting to 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 see them use Danny as more of um more of sort of um both like you know as a hero but also as um, a character that that uh, can act as um. I don't know, like, uh, like an emotional booster for other people. Like, getting, getting to the 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 choice to have Colleen step in um, and having having it be Danny's idea is a really smart one uh, and a really savvy one too. Um, Because not only do they handle the idea of um, okay, we're gonna address the fact that we cast a blonde hair, blue eyed, white guy. As this, as this, you know, this great Asian savior, Um, and not only are we going to address it, we're going to have him be replaced by an Asian woman because fuck you. Uh, (laughs) I thought that was
1: really great. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Um, I was really uh, pleased with that.
1: I overall, uh, I mean, every I'm with you on everything you you said for sure, Rambo. Um, I was, what, what I feel the show is missing still and I think they're going to get it in season three is we don't know why Danny actually wanted to be the iron fist other than the fact that that's what he was told. This is what you strive for in Kunlun to be the, the immortal iron fist. And it was like, I'm best friends with Davos, but he's like my brother. So therefore brothers are competitive. So therefore I want this thing that Davos really wants too. And once he gets it, he doesn't really know what to do with it. And Is he a good iron fist? Not really. He does this cool thing with his glowing fist. But yeah, the fact that Davos could have two fists that glow and Danny can only have one. The fact that Colleen gets the damn thing and she can make her sword light up. Like it shows that this is a thing that Danny achieved, but it's not, he doesn't really know how to use it. And the, what I'm happy with is, is that I feel like we're going to see this. He's going on a quest to find himself. And yeah. where he fits into all of this. And that's what season three is really going to be, I think, I hope. Um, I just – I like the idea of there being more than one. I like the fact that we can see him be the Iron Fist. And we can see Colleen be the Iron Fist. And th- there's just going to be more awesome shit. Like, I, I'm okay with this. It's like it's like when – in in Star Wars when it was just Luke, Luke was the only Jedi – And then all of a sudden we get the prequels and there's like 8 billion of them. You're just like, well, more Jedi equals more greater movie. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's do it. (laughs) Um, I hope that it just doesn't do the same thing that star Wars did. Um, I'm sure it'll be fine though. Um, Steve, has there any, has has there been anything from season one or season two that you were just kind of really disappointed with overall?
2: Yeah. It kind of dovetails off of what Rambo was saying about um, the characterization of Danny, so, like, in season one, they very much set him up as a, a man displaced. Um, he doesn't really understand how to be an adult in our world and our culture and everything. Um, but then, in this season, him and Colleen are dating, and they're like, kind of sucks that we don't get to have a date night, right? And it's like, how would he know? Like, how the <laughs> fuck would he know? You know what I mean? Like, what what is his basis for that? You know, so just kind of their romantic relationship it takes such a back seat to the rest of the story which is fine because their relationship and their connection with each other is they kind of get their jollies from going out and fighting crime and you know learning new martial arts moves and kicking ass with each other like that's their thing i don't need to like pretend that they're regular in any kind of capacity like, I, I, I felt that was a little bit out of place. I like the idea that it was like they tried to go on a date night and they couldn't help but get into a fight with a bunch of, <laughs> of Asian gangsters, triad guys. Like, that was the only part of that I liked. But, like, them at home, you know, they're cooking a dinner for Joy and Davos. So I'm like, this is the weirdest scene I think I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it, it really yeah. – it was strange because there was very, like – I. I one thing I want to give credit to, and then, and then Marcus, uh, Marcus, you can have your chance to uh, talk about your piece. I want to talk about how deep this show is. Because a lot of people watched it, and a lot of people complained about Joy and Ward and Danny and their relationship, and how Joy just seemed to be mad for no reason. And everybody was like, well, well, she, she should have just been fine with what they did because, you know, the dad was like a zombie and stuff. Like, that... Joy hits so close to home for me because she basically is my little brother. Like, just angry and pissed off. And there's really not a good reason. And they can't vocalize why they're angry or why they won't talk to you. And then when you're like, well, hey, the reason that you have is kind of invalid, they're still like, "Mm, nope, still giant middle finger, don't care, F you. And like... It was that's how brothers and sisters, siblings, that's how they interact with each other. Sometimes they're just pissed and you don't know why because they've got shit to work through on their own. So, like, that was very realistically portrayed. And, like, Ward working through his, like, substance abuse problems. And, like, these are real characters. Like, these are not just, like, your stereotype comic book. You know, let's just show up and go through the paces and kick some ass and beat up some ninjas. Like, there was some serious depth with these characters that I was not expecting at all. And that was honestly, if you really want to know why Iron Fist season two is better than Iron Fist season one, that right there is the reason. Yeah, because
3: they fleshed. Yeah, they fleshed yeah. out the characters.
1: Yeah, and like honestly, like Colleen and Danny are really kind of still pretty two dimensional for the most part. If you really look at it, but like everybody else around them is so deep that it doesn't Certainly. matter. Apparently yeah
2: but but that's okay though like and and i didn't want to come across that i was saying like danny and colleen don't feel natural together they actually feel like one of the most natural couples to be together like it makes sense that they're together because they're they they have a similar personality and a similar drive and, and that kind of stuff it's just like the the you know holly homemaker kind of nonsense where they're sitting at home and he flips on the computers and everything. He's like, well, honey, how was your night of crime fighting? Like that just didn't make sense (laughs) to me. It's like, it should have been,
4: Yeah, (laughs) it should have
2: just been more like tactical. And um, I know we talked about the one episode where it's like, we're going to defend the stupid things that we like. And I always said, I really like Punisher Warzone. One of the things I really liked about that is it's like that dude just gets to work. And everything in his life is structured so that it, that's efficient for that. So, like, he's not having nice stuff at his house. He's not doing these kind of things. Like, he's all about what's the next mission. And I'm not saying they need to be Punisher level or anything like that. But it just seems like that's their motivation, their drive, is to go out into the world and make it a better place. So the whole them having, a like, a home life It's fine if they mention it, but I don't really want to see it because that's not really what the story is about.
1: You know, let me let me disagree with you on that uh, for just a minute, because I see what you're saying. And and to a certain point, I, I agree. But I think it's imperative to Danny's character, because as we mentioned before, Danny had no childhood. It was taken from him. And had he existed in Kun Lun only as the Iron Fist, he probably would be fine as the iron fist because that's all that existed to him his other life didn't exist but once there was the ability and and that's another thing i really want them to flesh out too is is like how did he determine that he could in fact actually go back to his other life and go back to new york and where that where the fuck did kun lun go like those are the answers oh, that i that, want. Yeah. yeah yeah um but like he's now back in new york he's now back to this life that he that he had. But he's also still the Iron Fist. It's this, like, fight of culture and fight of his two lives that he's had in his life. And he just wants a little normalcy. He wants to have a girlfriend. He wants to live in in an apartment with his girlfriend and have a regular normal life. But that's not going to happen because you have a glowing fist and you're, like, the best kung fu martial artist on the face of the planet. So you don't get to have a normal life. And he doesn't understand that because he still is, like Rambo said, he still is a man-child. Because he didn't have anybody explain to them, this is how you deal with stuff. This is how you deal with emotions. This is how you grow up. This is how you deal with things. He was taught, here's how you kick ass. And that's pretty much it.
2: See, and I would be fine with that if this was season one and that was his story arc of like, hey, let's let's merge together this old world that I grew up in and this basically being trained to be nothing but a weapon and me still wanting to maintain some semblance of, my my humanity and be more than that and have relationships and that kind of stuff. We are now at the point where him and Colleen have settled down. They have an objective. They have this life together where they're going to go out and fight crime. And if that's what they're going to do and that's what their relationship's about, having these scenes, when you have a 13 episode, you know, season, I, it, I'm not saying thematically, it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying like from a storytelling point, like, I think there's other things you could have done with that time.
1: Mm. MC, the microphone is yours.
3: Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm processing. I'm so, I'm still processing. <laughs> I think I have a response for that, but I don't, I don't, I haven't processed it enough to like have it right now. We're hitting you with some Get heavy shit in. is what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> I can, Enhance. I can, <laughs> I can,
1: I can dig it. Um, I, I just overall, like, I would watch this again. And okay, and I mentioned this and thank like somebody's listening to me out there. Fucking Netflix made this ten episodes. Genius. Yep. Genius. Because I've said with every single series, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, all of them have three episodes too many. And whether it was like a thing with iron fist where they were like, you know, this just isn't going to work. And he pissed us off. So only get, he only gets 10 episodes. I don't know what it is, but either way, like that actually ended up being a really good thing.
4: I agree. What,
2: what's safe, what's safer series to test it on for them. Right. Hey, let's you test did. out 10. And if it doesn't matter, cause it's just iron fist and everyone doesn't like it already. Anyway.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree. Rambo, any issues with it only being 10 episodes this this season?
0: Not a one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: think. No, I, I, I honestly, like I was, I, fuck, who was I talking to about something? Um, I was bemoaning the fact that uh, that so many of those shows have gotten 13 episodes. And then the second season of Ozark is, again, only 10 episodes. And yeah. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's like the same thing with, uh, with Letterkenny. You're like, six episodes, that's it? That's all yeah. I get? Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm I'm with you, um, yeah. But overall, like it's it, it was like you said it, it was it was a safe bet for them to try it out on, and it worked. And honestly, they should do it with the rest of the shows too. Because going forward, if you only do ten episodes, like it just it makes them much leaner, and it means that you got to get the good story in there, and you don't have to have a filler episode that makes really no effect or impact on the whole story as uh, as it goes.
2: I have not watched the whole thing. Do they cross over with any other? Of the series,
1: you get some. You get some Misty Knight. Misty Knight shows yep. up. Um, I was. She's there for a while. Yeah, yeah,
2: she. Yeah, she's already showed up in one of the episodes. That's yeah. that's all though.
3: There's no like. Oh no, she's no, in a few. Jessica
2: Jones pops in. Or she's anything in. Like she's that.
3: in the rest of the season except yep. for I think episode eight. I think yeah. she's not in, but she's in every other episode for the rest of the season. Yeah,
1: she has a pretty big impact too, and she actually says something that ties it together with Luke Cage, which. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. 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 Um, what do you guys think about that? Like what do you, Oh, I love that. What do you think? What do we think is going to happen next with with Luke slash Iron Fist slash Misty? Like, are are we going to see Colleen come down there with her her Iron Fist imbued uh, katana and kick Luke's ass? Like, or, or are we going to just? I, I'm a- super curious about it.
3: Okay, so it's it's actually really interesting that you mentioned that cuz I just remembered something that, that uh, Mike Coulter said at his panel at Comic-Con last week because um, when he was accepting fan questions, that was actually one of the things that came up. Like people were asking him like, "Hey, like, what are you looking forward to for season 3? Like, what are some things you want to try to do with Luke Cage going forward?" And I don't remember the exact question, but one of the answers he gave seemed to imply that after like this next season of Luke Cage, that there may be some talk of maybe doing some shuffling around with certain characters and maybe doing something a bit different. Whereas it may not be a straight, you know, Luke Cage series, but it may be him and Danny or or some of the other characters interacting oh, together. Oh, shit. And like I said, it, it wasn't very, it was very, it was very subtle and, it, and, and it, it was very subtle the way he said it, but it was almost like there have been, it was It's it almost like he, he just unintentionally just kind of mentioned like beyond the next season, you know, there, there may have been some talk of, hey, maybe, you know, two characters from shows, maybe linking up or maybe doing crossovers. He did use the word crossover. Uh, um, maybe having crossovers between characters and whatnot going forward. So
1: sweet Christmas, we're getting heroes for hire.
3: <laughs> yes. So I would be super. Yeah, I would be. I'd be very, very interested to see that. Yeah. Um, I was actually hoping for some sort of Luke cameo in this season, since you know Iron Fist did pop up in Luke Cage. But I'm not upset at it.
0: Yeah. It would have been. Yeah. cool. I, I'm. I'm glad because I. I as much as I would have loved to see that, I feel like Misty coming in really serves the story, and having Luke pop up would only serve to be, I think it would end up being sort of an albatross around the neck of, the, of the, that second season, because it would just be pulling focus back to what's going on with him, and, you know, like Mike said, um, when Misty's like, yeah, Luke's got some shit, he's, you know, I, I, I basically need to get the fuck away from there for a while. Um, <laughs> I think it, it, it established that whatever's going on with Luke right now needs to be something that he's focused on, um, needs to be, you know, it, it's so important. It's such a big deal that there, there is no, like, casual drop in from Luke Cage uh, to come see his buddy Danny. It would be a matter of like, OK, now this is an anchor that's going to stop dead whatever's going on in this season and not really serve it going forward.
1: Yeah. Uh, either either way I'm I'm stoked about this. Um, I think that what I want to do here guys is uh, James Rambo, you have your own segment, um, sir, because you brought up something that I absolutely love and let me bring the trumpets up for you because it's very important that we have this for you because Mr. Rambo, you have said on multiple occasions that it's important for all of us to not watch shitty media.
0: Don't watch shitty media.
1: It's time for Don't Watch Shitty Media with James Rambo.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm in a Mary Melodies cartoon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start with you, Mr. Rambo. Give us something that we can watch on Netflix, on Hulu, on TV, wherever it is that you might be able to watch some sort of media and why we should watch it. And then we'll go roundtable and everybody can talk about some of the stuff that they're watching right now. So, Mr. Rambo, the floor is yours.
0: So I always like to have um, like a, a nice little sitcom or a half hour comedy uh, in my back pocket. You know, just something I can put on and, you know, kind of bullshit in front of the TV with my phone on and, and, and check in on it every now and then. And right now uh, there's an IFC series, the first season of which is on Hulu. That's how I'm watching it called Brockmire. Uh, Brockmire
3: oh, Brockmire awesome.
0: It, Brockmire is fantastic. It is a show starring Hank Azaria as a guy named Jim Brockmeyer, uh, formerly a, uh, uh, an MLB announcer um, who had a bit of a fit on, <laughs> uh, during a game um, and said some very inappropriate things. Uh, back, what, like 10, 12 years ago? Um, and has since... Uh, 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 so so we, we, we start with him there. We pick up many years later. Um, and a woman who is the manager of a little tiny, um, uh, Bush league team called the frackers, um, played by Amanda Pete, uh, has hired him to come and announce their games. Um, and it is hysterically funny. It is absolutely filthy. Um, Azaria is having a wonderful time chewing scenery playing this character. Nice. Um, and it's great to see him uh, not only as, uh, I mean, it's great to see Hank Zaria anytime, but he's playing this dude who has no real concept of the modern world. Um, so like in the <laughs> most
4: recent episode I
0: watched, I think it was like episode five or six, uh, the the um, the guy who's basically doing all the tech stuff, who's this, uh, this young black kid, um, is like, oh shit, we're going to get you a podcast. We're going to get you a podcast. We're going to set up a podcast, and that is how you will sort of reestablish yourself uh, uh, as Jim Brockmeyer and to the world at large. Um, and yeah, like like one of the things that that Jim learns in coming back to the stage because he's been he's been uh, in like Asia and Europe and various other places uh, for the better part of a decade uh, is that he was one of the first viral videos, and his uh uh his breakdown during that game became like a, a huge uh, and so like keeping it brockmeyer which is basically keeping it 100 but maybe a little more aggressively <laughs> is now in the public lexicon um and so yeah like it it's it's getting to see like Hank area play this this late middle-aged guy who is having like the world sort of reintroduced to himself. Is also hysterical, nice. um, and every now and then they'll pepper in a real story from baseball history, um, like the first guy to to have been killed by a pitch, which is a real story and it was amazing. Yeah, and yeah. um, uh, uh, like it, it immediately made me pull my phone out.
4: <laughs> you had to look it up. Uh, That's awesome.
0: <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, it's really funny The first season's on, I, on, on, on Hulu uh, And I highly recommend it
1: I do want to give a shout out, though To um, to this show I, I've only seen a few episodes, but I was very excited When I saw Artie, the strongest man in the world From Pete and Pete in this episode um, Toby Huss is the actor who played yes. Artie, Artie, the strongest man in the world He's on <laughs> Brockmire,
0: and I was like, yes! Toby Huss has a little bit part As a guy named Johnny the Hat Yeah, And they refer to him as Johnny the Hat the entire time and he's just <laughs> this very sad divorcee who hangs around the bar amanda pete uh, uh uh also owns a bar in town um and that's basically her bread and butter um and part of how she's able to get jim to stick around is he gets free drinks uh as part of his compensation um because he is a raging alcoholic um but yeah toby lines uh, and it's like the saddest,
1: weirdest, funniest shit. Where just Toby Huss in general is just like more like, like the reason you get a reveal that the reason he wears the hat
0: all the time is it's one of the last things his kids saw him in, and so he just wants to maintain that memory.
1: Oh my god, that is sad. <laughs> wow. Jesus. Oh man.
0: Okay, you know, so and Jim interrupts him and he's like, Look here, sad monologuing is my thing. <laughs> wearing a stupid hat is your thing <laughs> it's oh god damn it it's a hundred percent worth your time
1: there you go guys so check out brockmeyer which is on ifc if you've got access to ifc uh give it a shot and uh, see what you think um mc brooks first scene's on Hulu. first scene's on Hulu right now oh okay well there you go i'll watch it on hula yep. okay nice okay you go. mc brooks what you got man
3: all right i'm gonna go on a different route so um i haven't watched anime in years and at least one that really grabbed my attention in the same way that it did when I was like 14 years old discovering Tsunami for the first time uh, but there's a show that's you know widely popular on the internet right now called My Hero Academia and I started watching it a little over a week and a half or so ago and it is probably one of the best best not even just anime shows, but just shows in general that I've seen. It's it's, it's such an interesting story. So, like, the, the plot is, like, this kid, uh, Deku, uh, or let me rephrase. Let me go back. Uh, so, like, I think it's, like, because of aliens or something, uh, humans start developing these things called quirks, which give them, like, superpowers. And so people, uh, only certain people, Uh, sections of the population are born with quirks. If you have a quirk, then you are able generally speaking, you become a superhero and you know you go out and try to be this great force for good, but obviously not everyone does that, so there are people who try to use their quirks for evil. So Deku is this kid who grows up in a family where he is the lone kid who doesn't get the quirk, which sucks, but he's like super obsessed with superheroes. So he goes around like following all of these, like all putting himself in danger in these dangerous situations just to be close to all of these really cool uh, superheroes with all these different abilities and whatnot. So his like dream is to go to this thing called UA, which is where like if you're a kid with a quirk, kind of teaches you how to hone your abilities so that you can use it and it doesn't like kill you basically. So uh, Deku like somehow befriends this guy, the All Might, who is like, he's kind of like the Superman of uh, this universe where like he's all powerful. And then Deku finds out like, oh, All Might actually doesn't have a quirk. He was just given some ability from like some sorcerer or something like that. And so All Might bestows it upon him. And now he like is going through the process of learning how to become a hero but like because his abilities are not natural to him like he has issues that affect him that ultimately don't affect other heroes as well and so um i'm not i'm not super far into season one but i'm only a couple episodes in we just got introduced to i think they're called the league of villains or something i know original name right (laughs) um (laughs) the league of villains who who show up and um it's just a real it's just a it's a really interesting show I think deku it- deku is just an interesting character because he's he's someone who like lacks confidence and then you kind of see him over the- as the show progresses start to kind of gain that confidence even though he's also aware of the fact that hey my abilities are actually fraudulent by comparison but no one else knows that it's a really awesome show okay. so I highly recommend it
1: and where can we check this out
3: also on Hulu. They have oh, subs and dubs. Yes.
1: <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. Steve Monik, what are you watching right now, bud?
3: Well, I've mentioned a few
2: times on prior podcasts that I'm a big Lost fan. Yeah. And that new show that's out, Manifest, is oh. gi- giving me those those tingly Lost vibes again. I'm with you on that now, one. I've been watching that, too. It, yeah. might, it might end up shit in the bed. I mean, who knows? You know, like, it, it, it's... I think I don't want to say it's easy, but I don't think it's as difficult for a show to start with an awesome hook as it is for it to execute the the full swing of the show. And right now, this one has a very, very interesting hook. Yeah. And watching it with my wife, where it's this plane takes off as far as the passengers are concerned. They hit some turbulence and then they land. No, no big deal but for everyone else it's five years later so they take off in 2013 they land in 2018 um so like the main character like he took his his son the twin of of the son stayed and took a different flight with the mom and and so like it's all becoming the repercussions of that so like the twins are different ages now like the mom apparently has been having a relationship with someone else and it's like All the natural stuff when he thinks, you know, these people have been dead for five years. Um, Just contextualizing what these what life would be like. But then they're also starting to kind of like hear like voices. And and it's almost like Quantum Leap style where these voices are telling them to do something. And the thing they do ends up helping people. So the the one gal was a cop, you know, before this incident happened and she helped. Uh, her old partner both relationship wise and police force wise um, rescue some girls from a kidnapper because she was hearing these voices so it's like there's that weird element like in lost where you're like all right so there's some kind of mystery hook what the hell's going on here uh, kind of thing but then it's also obviously going to be quite a bit about the characters yeah you know what's their life like what's it like for the people who weren't on the plane with these new people coming back, what was it like for the other people who are like, Hey, it's been like, I don't know, five hours for me. You know, it's, you know, why it's weird that everything seems so different. What, what the hell's an iPad? You know, like, like iPad mini or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't fucking know, but like, you know, what, like whatever the technology technology is different. Um, you know, just the, what was the one thing? Oh yeah. It's like Derek Jeter retired. That was one of the little jokes they made. Cause the guy was a Yankees fan. Um, a little kid, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like little stuff like that. So that's interesting to kind of put yourself in the shoes of either side of it of, wow, I thought this person was dead and they, they've come back to me, but for them, it's like they hit the pause button. And then it's also kind of like, wow, what would it be like to just show up and all of a sudden time is fast forwarded five years. Um, so that's good. In addition to the mystery so, if you're into those kind of shows, this one's starting off strong. Whether or not it holds, that's the hardest thing for a show like this to do. That's a TBD, but so far it's so good. And because it's a new show, you can watch it on Hulu.
1: yeah. <laughs> i've I, i'm I'm with you, Steve that was actually one of the ones I was gonna mention, too, is I'm really enjoying um, that show so far. And <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that I've said, in recent episodes, is I've, I've become much more comfortable being myself, and I've always been an emotional person. This show hits me in the feels every friggin' episode because, like, the first episode, uh, and if you guys are gonna watch it, I'm sorry, spoilers, but like, there's an, there's a scene where they come back, and obviously if there's a five-year gap, there's going to be something that changed where, like, some loved one has passed away, right? Like, it just makes... Oh, no. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh. and that hit me right in the gut. And, like, my wife looked over at me, and she's like, you crying? And I was
4: like, yeah, maybe. It's, a little, it's kind of sad. Like,
1: it's... Yeah, it, I'm not made of stone. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly. The delivery the dad gave on that. Oh, my God. Like, where he was like, you know, she... Well, she got sick, and uh
1: oh, dude, yeah, you,
2: know, you know, like he—he he was just like he was—he didn't—he didn't quite have the words, oh. and they're just like the—the the important ones just kind of stumbled out. It was like, oh, yeah, well, and even before that, and dude, it, like whenever, it so like much when
0: wait, too, because it yeah. just leaves it to us to really think. about. Exactly.
2: Yeah, well, and then and then like the daughter's response, she's like, "What are you talking about? I was just running on the beach with her like two days ago," you know, because for them. Was, no time has really days, passed. But it's been
1: but five years, yeah.
2: And it's oh. like her mom had had time to get, like, whatever sort of terminal disease that she, and went through the whole oh, yeah. thing. And, and when that scene happened, I'm glad you brought that up, Mike, because I, I turned to my wife and I was like, you know, I wonder, would it be easier or harder if you had a loved one that was going to pass away and you had the choice, would you want to be on that plane or not? Like, Because it's like, yes. all right, yes. so they have six, they have six months left. Oh. Would you want those six months with them, or would you want to just let them go and not go through watching them like fall apart? Let like gave, what's? Let me answer what, that what would for you. you rather?
1: I would rather be there because I'll give you a perfect example. I was deployed, and a close friend passed away, and there was no closure. And it's like they're not dead. It's like they—I just haven't seen them in a really long time. But I know they're dead. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like I—I yeah. I, I would need that because it sucks yeah that they're dead but you um i'm trying to remember what it might have been south park and it sounds awful but south park's not normally what you go to for for poignant things but like at one point like butters is dating this girl he thinks he's dating this girl um that works at like the the little girl version of hooters but they call it raisins because they're fucked up on south park (laughs) it's her name (laughs) mercedes i think so yeah (laughs) <laughs> They're all, like, car names, like yeah.
2: Porsche and Mercedes and stuff.
1: Yeah, he thinks he's dating her, and it turns out it was all just a scam because that's what they do. Oh, honey, sweetie, that that's just what they do. And Butters is all broken up about it, and the goth kids are just like, all right, so you can join us now, Butters. He's like, no, man. He's like, part of being alive is hurting, too. Like, you need the good, but you need the bad, too. Like, it, it's part of what makes you alive. He's like, because eventually you'll get over it, and it's just something you have to do. And, like... I'll be damned if butters wasn't dead on, you know, like that, that's, that's part of it. You need that. You you need that hurt. Like it's. Yeah. And, and like this, this show really hits that because like at one point the one girl is looking on Facebook and she finds a memorial Facebook page to herself of all the oh, that's fucking surreal. Yeah, right? yeah. It was like her,
2: it was like her <laughs> wow. wall and she was looking yeah. at like on her birthday every year, like her friend would post stuff oh, like, yeah still missing you like oh yeah pictures of her putting flowers on her grave or whatever
1: oh yeah yeah it it was some it was some shit man and this this show's really good um so far and i'm not gonna give the spoiler away but something happens in that end of the second episode steven you know what i'm talking about but i was like oh shit this just got real like you know what i'm talking about right oh yeah like, yeah like that was yeah just Check it out, guys. The first two episodes are on Hulu, uh, so definitely check it out. Um, As far as what I'm watching, I'm going in a different direction. Everybody, for the most part, has been going with um, dramas and action and stuff. Well, no, because, yeah, okay, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going with comedy, too, kind of like Rambo did. Um, Two shows. They're both on Fox, but they're both uh, watchable on Hulu. The first one is called Rel. Rel is a comedy by – and if I'm getting this wrong, I am so sorry – He's a comedian. The guy's name is Lil Lil Rel. Lil Rel Howery. Yeah. And the show is about this guy who was living with his family in Chicago, but his wife was fucking his barber. And he finds out about it, and the wife leaves him and takes the kids. And he has to rebuild his life in his new apartment in Chicago. And it's really, really funny. Like you wouldn't with a premise like that, you're like, damn. It sounds
2: like it, yeah.
1: Right? No, it's like that '80s, '90s comedy where some horrible shit happened, and then it's a comedy, like Full House. You know, hey, mom died, but then my goofy, <laughs> but then my goofy friend moved in, and so did this rocker <laughs> cousin. You know, like it's yeah, it's kind of like that. But like at one point, um, Rel's friend is trying to set him up on a date with this girl named Monica, and Rel doesn't want to date her because Monica wears loose boots, and like. <laughs> He's like, lo- she's like loose boots. He's like, yeah, have you seen how much uh, space is between her boots and her ankle? She's she's asking for a broken ankle. Right. So like and it's just funny and you're laughing. You're like, haha, that's it's so superficial that he wouldn't date her. Right. And then like later in the episode, like she actually breaks both of her ankles because we're loose boots. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really, really funny. But like one of the things that I love about Fox and Fox has just kind of shied away from this for a while but they're going back to their roots a little bit when they would do things like that show rock or in living color oh, they're going back to uh, yes. these 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 black comedies that are that are african american based that are written by african americans that are like about the community but also too they tackle hard hitting shit too in the second episode there's um he's trying to do his laundry right and the funny thing is he's he's in chicago right so he's wearing a bulls jersey but instead of it being spelled right spelled with a z and instead of uh, pippin on the back it says scotty and like everybody is ragging on him and the fact that sinbad is his dad in this show just makes it that much better and like they're (laughs) ragging on him he's like where the hell would you get a bulls jersey that's spelled with a z and not even a real name scotty on the back like your best friends or something (laughs) like it's it's really (laughs) funny he's trying to do his laundry but a gang that lives in the building is having a meeting in the laundry room, and they won't let him in, right? And he finally, like, gets up the nerve to go in there, right? And the the uh, gang is just roasting him. They're like, oh, your wife is fucking the barber. Oh, ha, 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 left you, and your, and your kids took you, too, because you ain't a man. And he stands up to him. And he's just like, look, he's like do what you got to do. If you're going to shoot me, shoot me. If you're going to kill me, kill me. But like, look at what you're doing to your lives, man. He's like, you can make a positive impact in this world. And all you're doing is, is, is ruining people's lives. You're killing kids and, and wives and, and families just because you have some vendetta against somebody. And like, he's like, he's like, you're, you are what gives all African-Americans a bad name. He's like, by doing your stuff, because you think you got to do it. And I'm just sitting there watching this. I was like, I thought this was supposed to be a comedy. Damn, this is some hard hitting shit. And, like, it's just a really well-done series thus far, and I've really enjoyed it. And I, I can't wait to see what else they're going to do with this because I love when a comedy can do both comedy but some real hard-hitting shit too. Uh, I agree. Yeah, the the second show is not even close to hard-hitting shit, not even a little bit. It's called The Cool Kids. And The Cool Kids is David Allen Greer, Martin Mull, Vicky Lawrence, um, they're they're living in a retirement uh, community, and it's produced by Charlie Day. What? (laughs) Yes. He's the head writer. He's the producer for this show. Like, this show is so goddamn funny. Like, the premise is uh, three friends at a retirement center um, have their comfortable existence rattled by a a newcomer. The newcomer is Vicky Lawrence, because they had a male friend who passed away, and she just goes and sits at their table. And... They're all like old and crotchety, and they're like, "Ah, we don't want you around here." But it's so fucking funny because they're so dirty and raw, and like it's it's just really, really good. And the fact that you have Charlie Day involved in this show, and he plays like the handyman too, so like he's involved in this show too. It's just it's a really, really good old school like it's it's almost like an updated version of the Golden Girls, but it's got a more uh, diverse cast. Basically, it's it's really, really good stuff. You guys should definitely check that one out too.
2: Yeah, I might drop in on that one. That one sounds right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> ever since ever since Mr. Mom, I'm a Martin Mall guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. That dude's fucking funny, man. Yeah. And, like, they, they play really, really good, uh, like, archetypes, too. Because Martin Mall is, like, the crazy old hippie, like, conspiracy guy from, like, the, every old, like, basically, if you've ever had to deal with the public and you had to deal with older people, like, you always run into one older person that's like this. Um, David Allen Greer is just, like he's he's basically a a black stereotype but he's he's David Allen Greer, so it's okay. So it's like you're kind of <laughs> like eh, this is a little bit offensive but you're like eh, it's all right it's David Allen Greer. he can get away with oh, it. Oh, it's just dag. Yeah, exactly. Um and I can't remember the other actor's name. I'm trying to remember his name right now, but if you saw him immediately, you would recognize him. He's been in a little bit of everything. Um he's he's shorter. He plays um, a gay guy on this show and i 'm trying to remember his name i 'm looking him up right now on IMDB um, and if I could find it here we go the guy 's name is Leslie Jordan and yes. he's he's shorter uh, yeah he 's only four foot eleven right but like if you saw this guy you 'd immediately recognize him he's got a deep southern accent like he's, oh yes yeah he's been in everything he 's been in the help he's been in willing and grace um, he was on I'm looking for what else uh, he's been in. Uh, let's see. Uh, apparently, he was on American Horror Story. Um, he was on Reba, if you guys ever watched that horrible piece of shit show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Reba's, Reba's one of those shows that you hate watch. Like, I can't help but watch it because it's just on all the time. So, <laughs> But, yeah, again, definitely check out The Cool Kids. The last one I want to do, and I was talking about this in the beginning of uh, our first episode. Um. The reason I never watched it is because um, 9-11 happened, and I joined the Army, so I didn't get a chance to really watch TV. Um, You know, too busy defending all of your freedom. You're welcome. Um, Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. I appreciate that. I wasn't, like, reaching for the compliment or anything. Um, (laughs) But um, uh, Star Trek Enterprise. I'd never watched it. i never watched a single episode of that show. And I was flipping through Netflix, and I was like, "Eh, I need something to fall asleep to, so I'll watch this and every and i know everybody hated it and i know it's very much maligned but like i'm not hating it so far it's all right maybe it'll get better or worse as it goes on i don't know but i'm i'm enjoying it so far i think i'm like 5 episodes in so it, it's kind of cool though and i was telling the the guys earlier that like there's scenes that really like things that you took for granted with Star Trek. Like they just always understood Klingons, right? Because there's yeah. a translator or whatever. But like you got to think how could they translate it if they've never talked to anybody that's spoken Klingon before? So like the first episode when they run into a Klingon and there's this big angry dude with jagged teeth like screaming shit at them and they're just like, "What the hell are you saying?" Like it's 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 interesting and it adds a whole another like layer of of awesome television with this. And they don't trust the Vulcans, which is weird. Like, they're very, very suspicious of the Vulcans, and the Vulcans are kind of like, oh, humans are a bunch of assholes and, you know, illogical and blah, blah, blah. It's it's just a really cool concept. Now, maybe it gets played out, and maybe that's why it didn't work, but, I mean, maybe the awful theme song at the beginning, I'm not sure, but we'll... It's so bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is really bad, but... Um... I've
2: always expressed the opinion, never trust Vulcans. That, I, that's been my platform for years now.
1: Well, when you run for president of the United Federation of Planets, Steve... I'm sure that that platform if I never will. trust a Vulcan will work well for you.
2: Absolutely. We're gonna build a wall That's that. against the Vulcans. Get get, get out. A
1: space wall. We're gonna build a space wall against the Vulcans and then make the Andorians pay for it.
2: I did not intend that joke to turn into this.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for uh, this evening. Um, I'm going to end on a teaser. Um, The next episode of Stop Me If You Heard This is going to be about, because I let everybody vote on Facebook, so thank you for the dozens and dozens of people who voted. Um, We are going to play a song from the artist who will be the subject of the next episode of Stop Me If You've Heard This. And that is Tom Petty. I'm legit
0: shocked that Tom Petty won.
1: It was... Yeah, yeah I was surprised. It was close. It was really close. It was a 51-49 to 49 breakdown.
4: Yeah.
1: Petty won by one vote.
4: Son of a bitch.
1: But here's the thing. I'm still going to do one about the Foo Fighters because it's my goddamn show and I'll do what I want. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, yeah. I, like, I, like I
0: said before, yeah. I want to see both. Yeah, but I'm more interested to see one a little sooner. I'll take either.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I will do. I will do Tom Petty first um, because there's a really, really good story uh, with him in all well, of not this. Good. Well, a heart, interesting, a heartwarming, touching story about about Tom Petty because, and it works perfectly because this is the perfect time. Uh, this week is the anniversary, the one year anniversary of Tom Petty's death, so it will be very fitting. Uh that we will talk about uh, Tom Petty's life and his music uh, on the next episode of uh, Stop Me If You've Heard This. Um, Mr. M.C. Brooks, you've you've got something coming up here pretty soon, too. I know you're working on an episode of The Overflow, correct? Yes, that'll be out next week. Okay, you want to give us a little tease on what you're talking about?
3: Uh, Sure. I am conducting an interview with a writer who released a book this past week called Heartbreak Alley. Um I'm making my way through it right now. Uh it's pretty fascinating. Uh it's it it the stories are really grabbing me and really kind of placing me as if I went through these things myself, which oh, wow. you know, it's kind of kind of awesome. Nice. Um on top of that, the author is also a giant Marvel nerd, so I'm going to, you Sweet. know, bust <laughs> her balls about that
1: as well. Nice. <laughs> Always a good thing. Always a good thing. Um I have to stop Tom Petty for just a second, guys, because I have to tease what we're going to be talking about next week. We are going to be talking about the Geek Sheets, as we always do. But we are also going to be having a special guest. Um, our special guest on next week's episode of GGR Pirate Radio. And I'm finding the music so that I can uh, properly introduce this. Let me find the, the correct one that I need. I need I need to the, the set the tone for this. So... <laughs> a, little, a little thriller for everybody <laughs> next week we're going to be talking horror movies because it's october a very spooktacular episode of ggr pirate radio featuring ggr's very own resident horror expert his name is vick will be joining us next week guys yes indeed hey. So prepare yourself with your favorite horror movies, horror comics, horror media in general, because I'd love to have all of you guys on so we can kind of do a roundtable and we'll discuss all of our favorite uh, horror genre such things. So it should be a good time that will be had by all. Uh, But guys, uh, for MC Brooks, for James Rambo, for Steve Monick, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this has been GGR Pirate Radio.
2: This had been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice bags.
4: Okay. <laughs> yeah, boy.